you need to have like a solid feedback loop with your entire team. Like, so it's not myself that's inside these accounts. We have a creative strategist, we have a copywriter, we have junior media buyers and other media buyers that need to really keep this feedback loop going because even one week that you're not giving feedback to like a creative strategist and what briefs they should be making for the next week, it like breaks the whole chain. All right, folks, we are back live with your favorite D2C podcast. As always, I'm joined with my partner in crime. No Drake wear, but looking fantastic. He always gets his <laughs> haircut for you folks. And that that shade just looks wonderful on you. Ash Mawani coming off hot from the Parker party. Um, supposedly, he had dance moves that nobody could keep up with, but uh, oh that's not here nor there. We're not here to talk about how my friend can cut a rug. But we do have, <laughs> um, speaking of <laughs> uh, fantastic uh UKers. Um actually Nigel actually just jumped the pond and he's actually stateside now. And Josh, are you still over there no, in the UK I'm or on the island? Coast. Yeah, I'm in Virginia. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Oh, both you guys are stateside now. That's fantastic. Yeah. And they run a fantastic agency uh called Alpha Inbound. And so we'll be going through a lot of stuff, kind of what's working now, um, the Pmax version of Facebook campaigns, uh Black Friday, Cyber Monday, possibly talk about that. You guys also have a really pretty robust system in terms of building an architecture to just pump out a ton of creative and then pretty much wherever the the conversation will take us. But before we get started, I'm going to start with you, Nigel, and then jump to you, Josh. Yeah. Kind of just give us a little bit of background of kind of where you guys were, where you are now and where you want to head and give some people some color. Yeah. So for people who don't know. Nigel Thomas, by the way, nice to meet everyone. And thanks so much for having us on today. You know, me and Josh listen to this podcast a lot. We get a lot of amazing insights. Like this is one of the best podcasts in the space of like actual technical things that you can try in the background. And I'm not just saying that, like we do generally listen to it and it gives us a lot of ideas to brainstorming. So thanks for putting out the amazing content and hopefully we can contribute a little bit today. But yeah, this time last year, and, you know, long story short, I was really chewed up and spat out by another startup and I was unemployed, 29 years old, not really knowing what to do next. And I'd actually worked with Josh in, an, in my other agency like four years ago in the e-com space and basically saw an opportunity to help him out, grow his business. Josh was kind of in between a few different ideas and we thought if we came together, we can really rebrand Alpha Inbound and make, you know, a really make a stand in the market and help a lot of companies out and with like zero reputation and pretty much all cold outbound sales we went from like nothing no reputation to like hitting a seven figure run rate in our first year of business since this rebrand and we've learned a lot and for anyone who doesn't know we work with health and wellness brands doing around five and thirty million dollars in revenue we focus predominantly on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Um, but I'll give Josh the credit because he's the one who gets all the amazing results for our partners. But I thoroughly enjoyed the journey. And yeah, we're always, like I said, talking to top marketers like you guys and just learning more as we can. Yeah, amazing. Josh? Yeah. And then, yeah, my name is Josh Graham. I've been doing this since 2017. So I've been through the ringer when it comes to Facebook ads going from pre-iOS, you know, the, the golden age when you know, everyone was stuck inside during the, the, the pandemic and how you were getting amazing results. And then it was like the faucet turned off. So you really had to you know, dig in and figure out how you're going to continue to get these brands scaling. So 
you know, I really enjoy just really working with a lot of brands and allowing them to hit their goals while at the same time, just doing whatever we can to, you know, help them not only on the outside, but you know, on the ecosystem level, how can we impact their business as a whole through our efforts? Yeah, that's phenomenal. Um, Ash, we were kind of talking offline. I think a great jumping off point would be, I think a few shows ago, one of our theses was that the media buyer essentially start to be abstracted away from actual media buying, right? Like, and we saw that with performance max, um, and you're seeing just this, just shift in terms of people are, or, or the platforms are starting to take away a lot of the levers, knobs, bells, whistles, and it's just put money in and put creative in. Like those are really right. starting to become the two inputs and Facebook's starting to dip their toes in this now, right? Right. So um, for those of you who don't know or may not have it in their accounts yet, which I think, I think most people do now, um, Advantage Plus campaigns have rolled out. Um, it's basically this automated process of just setting up a campaign, putting in your creative and just letting things run, right? Um, it's like the equivalent to Pmax and Google. Um, again, it's almost like this black box where you just toss everything in and, and you just let it run, right? Um, I've been seeing a lot lately on, on the Twitter. A lot of people have been talking about it. Um, even we're been, we've been experimenting with it and have been seeing um, some results with it. I don't know if it's something that we're fully going in on yet, um, but the idea is is that now marketers can just, or the 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 hope is that is that marketers just focus on the variables that they can control, right? Which is creative landing page offers, right? And it kind of puts this like negative stigma on media buyers because it's like, well, what what's the skill set that you really need to be as a media buyer, right? Is it button pushing like does it become now you have to become a creative strategist things like that right so josh i mean in, in your opinion and, and in the accounts that you're you're working on um give us a little information on like what's kind of working right now um have you tested advantage plus um and just in general as like a media buyer where do you feel like you know the responsibilities have shifted um over the last you know few months yeah, so Advantage Plus, I guess the one downside of that, it hasn't been unlocked in every account that we're working on right now. But the accounts that we are able to run it on, we're probably pushing like 10% of our spend to it. Um, you definitely, in my opinion, need to use like a tool like Triple Whale to see you know, if that campaign is driving new customers for the business. Right. Because what, we'll, we, what we're typically seeing is like for the bigger accounts, like you know, one spending, you know, a couple hundred thousand on spend in like ROAS looks great, but it's just cycling in your, you know, past buyers. So you don't really get any net new customers from it. But then on the flip side for some of our smaller spending, uh, like, you know, accounts where you're any, any, anywhere between 30 and 50,000, you will see like, you know, a positive impact on that, you know, net new customer. Yeah. I, I think that's something that we've seen like as well that with certain settings, if I believe you have to put in something where it's like, do you want to hit X amount of returning customers or something like that, right? Um, if you don't set that correctly, Facebook is going to go after your customers like yeah. crazy, right? And and to your point, like in Triple Whale, I live and die by this column, which is like new customers and just total orders, right? So if somebody comes to me or when I'm looking at data and I'm like, oh, this thing has like a 3x return, let me scale this hold on, you have to back out and look, all right, are these new customers or are these like returning customers, right? And if you start to scale that, 
there's you only have a finite amount of customers that are going to buy from those ads again you're going to scale and, and your, your CAC is going to go through the roof, right? So I think that's one of the biggest things where we've kind of actually leveraged that and set it up as a retention campaign, which I don't think people are talking about where it's like, okay, it's not really like that much scalable, but at least, you know, hey, have a, a win back offer. You're, you're telling Facebook, go after the customers. They know who the customers are. And we're actually seeing a decent size volume of consumers actually come back. So that's just one thing that we started testing. Um, I know just getting like prospecting to work is is finicky. Um, so I mean, if it's not Advantage Plus right now, what what other things are you seeing working right now in the in the, in the accounts? Yeah, I'm actually um, I'm actually starting to see cost cap work quite well for us. You won't get as much scale out of just like your lowest cost like auto bid type strategies, but what we've seen it has a positive impact on the blended new customer CPA. So we'll be able to, you know, really, you know, for, you know, most of our accounts, like we're, we're still spending most of our, our money on like lowest cost just to try to get as much scale as possible. But what we've noticed is cost cap will kind of add in like a safety net on that CPA. But what we've also noticed is it will kind of prolong some of the creatives that might burn out quicker in lowest cost and kind of give them more life. I, so, I love that strategy. I, I used to rock yeah. that till the wheels fall off. Uh, just kind of technical question. How do you set the cost cap? Is it like two and a half X, three X, 10 X? Like what, what are you using uh, to kind of establish what that ideal cost cap is? Cause the, the thing that I've found with either cost caps, bit caps, just kind of the, the broader cost control mechanism is that if you do it wrong, deliverability just dives where it's like it, you, you get like three yeah. impressions for the day. And so um, how, how are you kind of setting that in, in relation to what your target CPA is? Yeah, so typically I'll look back on like the last 30 days of data inside of the account and try to see on like that prospecting level, what are you averaging per purchase? And then I'll set the cost cap at like a one to like a 1.1x CPA to start. Oh, really? But I'll have a much higher budget on it. So if Facebook can find purchasers in that CPA in that CPA range, it will spend the money. But what I'll what I do tend to find is like for that first week, you are kind of tinkering with that cost cap a little bit. You might increase it by like 10, 15% every day, just so you can get that deliverability. Cause to your point, like if you don't get it, then you're not going to spend on it. It's just going to spend a couple pennies a day. Yeah. What about yeah. you, Ash? Are you into cost controls yet? Or are you still lowest cost ride or die? No, I, I think, um, the last few months, cost cap has been a majority of our scaling campaigns. Um, really? Testing on lowest cap, uh, lowest cost, yeah. Testing on lowest cost, cost cap for scaling. Um, very similar strategy, Josh. Just setting the the cost cap around. Um, sometimes I'll go like what our AOV is in my yeah. head. It's almost it's almost the same thing, right? You're you're kind of taking your co- your CPA and one point five or whatever it is, maybe even closer to the AOV. Um, I just find that a lower cost cap is not going to spend, right? So if I can yes. just kind of get it going um, and then just stretching that budget out, right? So instead of launching at like 1K a day, I'll set it to 10K knowing yep. damn well it's not going to spend 10K. But the goal for me to understand if, if, if it's in an efficient spot is if it spends 20% of the total budget, right? So if I set it to 10, I want that bid in a certain place where I'm spending at least 2K a day. 
Um, but very similar to to Josh. I think I think it's a very it's a great way of prolonging certain creatives that yeah. may have fallen off performance wise on lowest cost. Um, and just getting a little bit more juice out of it and kind of directing Facebook where you want it to go. Yeah, that's really well put. I, in a way I see kind of Facebook ad buying, like, um, buying stocks and some days the markets are good and some days the markets are bad and there's some stock traders that you want to trade all day. Right. So those are going to be your lowest cost where it's like, I don't care what the market's like, go spend the money, go find some results for me. And then there's all these, you know, kind of little bit of the drunk day trader where it's like, you know, sometimes you're smart, sometimes you're not, but let's kind of ratchet down the assets you have access to and put a cost control on. And when the market's good, they'll spend out and you'll just scrape in the winds. And when the market's bad, you don't blow that money and you can kind of keep it. And so it's a, it's a way in my opinion to mitigate risk. And um, to Josh's point and Ash's point, I I love those. uh, We would call them just champions campaigns where we would graduate stuff that has either like a ton of high engagement, a ton of awesomeness, but it's kind of like going from the premiership or La Liga to MLS where it's like, you still got something in you, but, but you're not your top (laughs) tier anymore. And so you want to just kind of slide it in there, bring them off the bench every now and then close close a sale here and there but you're not going to be kind of spending the lights off where you're at in lowest cost One it's funny because i was you. using that, ex- oh, that, that exact ana- that exact analogy the stock market to one of our clients the other day who we've managed to get some really good results and there it's, it's actually their first brand and they're just getting into it and you know they've got some good finance behind them and to make sure they don't get too excited it's using that exact analogy funnily enough that the best advice i've always had in the stock market if you look at like the last 100 years is just literally invest in the s p 500 over the last 100 years it's given a 10 percent re- return every single year on average but that's boring advice, isn't it? So. <laughs> <laughs> it's, hard, it's hard to sell that sizzle. But, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, I feel like the index fund, if we're going to extend that analogy, is going to become this like automation or advantage plus campaign, right? Where it's going to be this safe bet that you just put yeah. money into. So uh, I'll start with you, Ash. Where do you see this going to? Like, is this going to become a, like in terms of percentage, how much? What what's your percentage breakdown like? Like how much is, of spend is that commanding for you right now? Um, I would say so. Out of the total budget, ten percent is always allocated to testing. Um, yeah. I think right now it's like sixty percent cost cap, right? And then okay. the other was it thirty percent is on Advantage Plus. Um, really? And then within that, yeah. And then within that. There's like a certain, there's like a smaller budget that's allocated to just retention using Advantage Plus, right? Um, which is why like we're we're seeing decent results. We're kind of just leaning into it, um, just testing it out. But I mean, between you know the the cost cap and the Advantage Plus, they're bringing in very similar results. Like there's nothing crazy about it. It's just easier to manage. Which I mean, like my whole mytho- mythology of like running ads is that it should be simple, right? You should focus on the creative. You should focus on the landers and the offers and just set it and forget it. Um, but, you know, there's there's certain aspects to like cost caps where like you do have to tinker with it a lot, right? But, it, you know, it keeps things running longer. So there, there's, there's pros and cons to running both. I think that's why like having a little bit of a diversified like campaign structure, testing, advantage plus, cost cap, um, probably, you know, a 
each campaign will have better, one campaign will have better results than the other. And it kind of, you know, balances out at the end of the day. So that's kind of how I would, I've approached it right now. Um, what about you, Josh? Yeah, so I'm, we're not spending that much on cost cap. I would say for a lot of our accounts, if we're talking in terms of like how we're kind of divvying up like prospecting, you know, 10% to your point is always like focused on testing, like testing new creative, new angles on a weekly basis. And then for like the other 90%, we're looking at probably, I would probably put it at 50% uh, lowest cost. Um, and then you know, another 20% to cost cap and then 10% to Vantage Plus. Because what we found with the Vantage Plus, at least for us, is for the accounts that do have it, it it was, it was worked great for like the first week that we launched that initial Vantage Plus, and then it kind of tapered off. And it wasn't like, because usually like when creative fatigues, it's kind of like a gradual progression that, that you know that campaign, you got to refresh something. It was almost like a night and day difference where it was like one day to the next. It was like, yeah, you're doing 2.5. Now you're doing a 0.5. <laughs> it's like, what the heck happened? Those TikTok numbers. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I want to I shift gears really quick to Nigel and then throw it back to Ash. But so Ash is in a great place where he's a CMO at a brand, right? And so Ron, his boss, isn't really looking at him like, what are you doing with your time? As long as you're pushing the metrics forward, that's all that matters. Whereas I used to be in the agency life. You guys are in the agency life. And we have a lot of listeners that are agency owners. How do you see this impacting the narrative that you tell the client? Because to Ash's point, like it starts yeah. to become a bit simplistic of like, what the hell mm -hmm. are you doing? You're just pushing budgets. like. And so have mm -hmm. you thought about that, Nigel, in terms of like, What's the narrative you're crafting to make sure that clients still feel that you're generating value yeah. for them? Yeah, so I'll be honest. If you're going to be a real asset to the business, most of the work is actually going to happen. I say most of the work. The things that really move the needle for the business are going to be happening outside the ad account. So we tend to focus, me and Josh, and how we want to position our agency is helping them get everything ready prior to launching the ads. So obviously, you know, the unit economic side, we just recently yep. started working with an eight figure brand called Exma Honey. Like they're not interested in marketing tactics. They're interested in a TikTok campaign that's going to show them a lot of new customers because they're going into some huge retail stores and they want to show them like some numbers off the back mm -hmm. of that. Yeah. So it's about the strategy. It's about like thinking from a higher level perspective and getting that foundation ready prior to actually launching the ads. And then just as Ash said, to be honest, if you do it properly and you have the right strategy in place, you should be able to just really focus on building systems for creative. And if you're working with an agency, that aren't focusing on creative, then, you know, you've got a real issue. Like if you're just media buying agency, you've got a serious problem. Like if you haven't heard it already, I'm just going to tell you the brutal truth. It's not <laughs> going back. The, the best DTC brands are becoming media companies. And obviously we know we've got Ash here running Obvi and those guys do so much creative testing. We can see that from the ads library, um, but you need to be focusing on the creative side but more so, like I said, the strategic side. And it's it's not enough to just focus your media buying knowledge on that one platform. And we train our media buyers on the whole macro, you know, the ecosystem. How does 
because if we can show how, let's just say, Facebook interacts with Google, that interacts with yeah. TikTok, that interacts with retention, that interacts with a different landing page or an offer, now we become a real asset to the business. And at the end of the day, if we can speak to the business owner as a business owner, we're just going to make their life easier instead of a media buyer, which just isn't quite as valuable. So that's kind of my take, you know, really focus on the creative, but more so really looking at everything from a macro perspective. To be honest, this should have always been the way, but now it's become even more evident. And even with like we're going into a recession now, we need to be entrepreneurs because like t times are hard. Times aren't going to be easier. We need to be savvy marketers. And this is where the real entrepreneurs are. So we're going to see the agencies that really know what they're doing. And I think a lot of the really bad ones, a lot of the shit ones are going to get weeded out, in my opinion. So that's a good thing for the market. Yeah. No, I mean, it's a really very, very eloquently said. Uh, I couldn't agree with you more. Speaking of systems, if we can shift gears a little bit, um, you guys and Ash both have kind of a pretty clever way of how you, you generate creative. I know you've talked about this before, Ash, so you don't have to uh, beat a dead horse, but for people that haven't listened to an episode or are just tuning in for the first time in ad spend, can you give us kind of an overview of what your creative uh, architecture looks like, how you're able to generate so much creative? And then Nigel, I want you guys to talk about how what your system looks like. Yeah, so I think for Facebook and TikTok, um, you know, if you're if you're spending anywhere north of like ten to twenty k a day, you're gonna need creative, right? Um, what we've tried to do is get at least forty to fifty pieces of creative a week, just so that we can test. Um, and it's all very strategic, right? Different angles, different offers. Um, we have a really good team of uh, graphic designers that are basically taking our you know studio shots, making uh, static ads. Um, we have some of the girls at the the office that are pumping out TikTok style videos, um, and then recently we just started a, uh, a what I'm calling a content team of girls that we found on Twitter, just UGC creators that sent us you know content. They performed really well, and now we have like a good group of people that we can tag into and be like, hey, we need um, this video by the end of this week. Here's a brief. Here's product. Um, obviously, we pay them and everything. And we get extra content that way too, right? So you're not just seeing the same people in the ads and you're kind of getting a little bit diversified uh, creators. Um, so that's kind of our approach now where it's a mix of everything because um, one week static is going to crush. The next week, TikTok videos are going to crush. So making sure that we have like a diverse set of creatives plus a diverse set of creators um, so that we're, we're tackling fatigue in, in, in all areas. But that's, that's, that's how we've been kind of approaching the the situation and, and making sure that we can keep spend um up and up and to the right that's really i haven't heard of your content team congrats that's fantastic that's because yeah, that's so uh, you're still building that out yeah. right yeah, yeah 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 always ongoing right it's like whoever hits sure. us up it's like i want to make content for you cool we'll test you out we'll run it on tiktok if it works then hey we'll, we'll pay you monthly like four videos a month x amount and um you know, keep them on the, on like a retainer. 
I heard Twitter is a, a pretty amazing place to find the content creators as well. Because so I was speaking to a few guys that were telling me the other week, they put some posts up, like guys are running brands, and they had yep. literally like 40 people within five minutes. And then obviously yep. if you've got that, fil- I'm sure you guys have got a filtering system in place yep. to kind of filter through the noise. But it seems like it's a, a pretty good place. Yeah. I, I mean, Twitter, honestly, like I posted it once and I think I got like 200 responses wow. or something. And out of the 200 videos, like probably 20 did really well. And then within the 20, it's like, all right, we only really need 10. And you kind of just cut it down from there. And then you have like 10 of best of the best. Um, Cause then, you know, it gets cost a little costly, but it ends up being worth it. Cause now you're investing a little bit more diversified content, which I think is super important right now. How do you just out of interest, like very quickly, how do you like filter from the noise? Is it just because you know what's going to work for your customers? Um, the initial was a very heavy investment, honestly, 200 creators. Yeah. Think about it. You know, you're sending out yeah. 200 packages, cog shipping, you know, it becomes a hefty investment. Um, but out of the 20 videos that did crush, like they were running for about a month, month and a half on TikTok, and we definitely saw it. the return, right? Yeah. So it's definitely worth it. Um, it's the initial upfront, which typically is, is tough for people to swallow. But once you get your 10, you, you're, you're multiplying your success by that much more um, week over week. So it's, yeah, it, it is quite a lot to manage. But I mean, once you have the process in place, it, it becomes a little bit more simpler. Yeah, makes sense. Be, we definitely found that. Yeah, to be fair too, the grass is always greener because we have a challenge with a ton of UGC stuff where... Um, there's so many more headwinds to a SaaS company than there yeah. is where you just have the product, the cogs, the shipping. It's like, hey, here's some free product. You ship a stuff back or you don't where it's like SaaS has been such a headache in terms of, and plus we don't have a demo account, so we have to make sure like we either use Max's account or something. And, the, and then the other thing is it's one thing to yeah. be authentic. It's another thing to kind of know what you're talking about. <laughs> And so we've yeah. run into that's the a, problem. A bunch of things that like it's a ch- challenge for us to get like quality UGC. And then the other thing, before yeah. sorry for cutting you off, but the other thing is too, we've run into creator fatigue, where people start seeing yeah. the same person, and so they're just like, you know what I mean? Like the the efficacy starts to really fall off. So I really like that you have a mix of not only uh, different mediums of ads if you will like the statics the UG, but also different creators as well because we found just really great creators but at that point it's almost like an influencer without a following and so you're, you're in this kind of weird yeah. middleman like no man's land of like they don't have a following that you can monetize <laughs> yeah they're really good at making the creative but then people see this creative because we're starting to spend some money but um one quick question before you get into your uh spiel about your really cool system nigel is ash do you have so we're starting to play around with the percentage of spend put towards creative do you is that how you kind of modulate your costs or like so right now we're trying to spend for our monthly budget 10 percent of that on creative because we're, we're finding now that we're starting to spend real money like you like things just fatigue incredibly quickly, especially if yeah. you're hammering, like we had this whole swath of UGC videos that crushed and then they didn't, right? Because because you just go through one vector and then it just like, you have to, uh, I mean, you're just so ahead of the game. The diversification really seems to be the only play for high spending accounts. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, in terms of like actual asset collection, it is something where it's like you just have you just have your fixed costs, right? So it's it's tough yep. to also like allocate, okay, we have our photographer who does all the studio shots. How do you just allocate that just to ad spend? Because like it's also shots for the website, shots for SMS, Tracking. email, everything yeah, else, yeah, right? Yeah. Insta yeah. social, this and that. Tracking. Um, graphic designer, right? They're not just doing ads, they're doing emails, they're doing Tracking. web development, this and that. So like when it actually comes down to it, that's that's the company's overhead, right? Like that yeah. is just being used across yeah. the board. Now, when it comes to the content team, that is where I'm trying to keep within a 10% budget right okay. so yeah. say you know let, simple math say we're spending ten thousand dollars a day ten percent is ten percent a day is a thousand a day seven thousand a week right for now for me to go and get 10 videos from 10 creators at say fifty dollars a video 75 dollars a video that's an extra 750 a week right so out of the seven thousand dollars a week you're spending on testing i think you can afford the 750 to be split a little bit towards that to getting assets um and then you're probably spending six what is it? Six two uh six six thousand two hundred fifty on on testing. I think that's probably where you can kind of fit it in. Um, but then okay. it depends on how much content you're getting, right? So like, I feel like for us, ten videos is enough. If you feel like you need to get twenty, it kind of takes away from the testing budget. So, I mean, play around with the ratios and how much content you actually need. But that's that's how I would uh, approach it. Yeah, you know, I'm totally tracking. And uh, look at the Milwaukee maths. Let's go, kids! Right on you. <laughs> no, that's a really fair point because we're doing. Uh, we're about to engage with creative agencies, and so it's really clear cut where it's like we're going to spend X amount with the creative agency in relation to Y amount of spend. But that's a really good point. Of shared resources can be a little uh, bit of a quagmire in terms of like how do you amortize that? Like, is it fifty yeah. percent of their time? Do you include none of it because it's not going to direct line? Uh, that's a really good point. I just, I just, that was just kind of top of mind. Yeah. All right, Nigel, take us away and how you guys create a bazillion assets for all your clients. Yeah. So just firstly, because we've worked with quite a, do, a few different like third party creative people, and you've just touched on a really good point, like especially with TikTok and how that's kind of indoctrinating people's attention spans you have to get through so much creative because it's fatiguing a lot faster because we know like from TikTok, sure, it's happening there, but we're now seeing this pass on to like Facebook, Instagram, the other platforms. The attention spans and creative fatigue is getting faster and faster. And if we go back to the cost and the margins perspective, a lot of these like third party, and I'm not going to name any names, there's some good ones out there, but a lot of them are trash. And the reason why is because they just haven't got the margin to be able to get through enough creative at high quality. So corners are getting cut. Now we can go into the operations now because you can quite clearly see when you stack things up as an agency, things get complex very fast. Um, but yeah, just from a margins perspective, I think that's something important to to kind of bear in mind and I'll be interested to see how that plays out because the thing is obviously as creators understand their worth more and more they're going to start charging more and more and more so where are we going to get to at that point is there just going to be a point where you know customers just have that alignment with the brand and they go that way maybe I don't know but from a, an agency standpoint it is definitely hard on the margins now, from the operational standpoint, yeah, sure. So to give you an idea, working with about 20 brands right now, 
seven eight figure brands we create minimum usually 36 new assets per month and we've generally relied on the brands to give us the raw content and we have creative strategists and video editors in-house who then get you know the rest of it ready and obviously get it ready for the media buyers to test so you can imagine that that's six seven hundred assets now on a monthly basis and between me and Josh, like, I'll let Josh speak about it in a second because it's under, like it's important to understand like how the system works from a media buying standpoint and how you get it up and running. But this has been by far our biggest challenge. Like from an operational standpoint, to get it to get it to a point where for those twenty brands, you've got it working like clockwork. We've had to massively revamp our systems, and it's still a work in progress. If I'm being honest, and that's another reason actually why. Because again, working with these third party people, I've actually spent, just because I wanted to know for our agency, right? I've spent a lot of time talking to people on their customer support side and operations side. And a lot of them just haven't figured it out. Because you can imagine, like Ash, you know for Obvi, how complicated it is just to get all your creatives ready on a weekly basis. I mean, you probably systemize it also, it's good. But having that for like 20 different brands all at once, like it's there's so many different moving parts there. And from an operational standpoint, to get that into a position where, again, you need it on a weekly basis, because obviously from a testing standpoint, now with the added fatigue getting faster and faster, it's been really challenging. Um, but we've solved that with good systems. You know, we use a combination of like Airtable, Asana, and then mostly just hiring good talent, which again, with inflation makes it even more complicated. Sounds like I'm complaining a lot. We love solving these problems because the harder they are, the less chance that other people are going to do them. But I'm going to let Josh speak about how obviously he, he manages all of those, you know, 36 or over six, 700 assets a month and how we actually get the results out of it and make sure we keep the quality high. Yeah, how are we testing 600 a month? That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> when it comes down to it, you need to have like a solid feedback loop with your entire team. Like, so it's not myself that's inside these accounts. We have a creative strategist. We have a copywriter. We have junior media buyers and other media buyers that need to really keep this feedback loop going because even one week that you're not giving feedback to like a creative strategist and what briefs they should be making for the next week, it like breaks the whole chain. And then all of a sudden you're waiting an extra week for creatives or an extra week and a half because now there's a backlog. And then, you know, you know, from our perspective, one of the biggest ways we've been able to really help brand scale is to consistently be testing on a weekly basis. So, you know, every single week, even when you're scaling, you want to be testing creative, you know, allocate 10% of that budget to testing because things are going to start to fatigue. And I've been noticing that because kind of going back to when we were talking about Advantage Plus, it almost seems like things fatigue like all of a sudden instead of gradually now it's like it, it's been weird this last month that some accounts you know cpa is where we want it to be we're increasing budgets by 20 percent it was literally one day to the next cpas went up 30 percent without any changes it was almost like facebook forgot who they were trying to target and now you gotta like re uh refine your your core your core audience but in that feedback loop is going to be a really big part it's just you know really because media buyers you know the entire you know strategy around media buying i i think is 
trainable and like easy to get a hand on, but it's actually being able to read the data down to like a creative level because before like we put a lot of attention to creative, you know, you're focused on like CPA, ROAS, you know, CTR, probably that creative metric, but now you got to look at hook rates, retention rates, drop-off rates, and you know, how those creatives are then, um, you know, impacting the conversion rate. And then we're digging into like video engagement and seeing exactly where that drop-off is so that we can really try to pinpoint the clips in the videos or the particular static images that are causing people to convert, but causing people to convert on a new cut for new customers, because you'll probably see that, you know, you're, you know, your customers or like your targeting audiences, they'll react differently to different types of content. But what, you know, actually takes, what it actually takes to acquire new customers is, could be a completely different type of creative for your brand. Question. So for, I, I, the feedback loop is, is super important, right? So it's like, even for us, it's like weekly meetings, like, Hey, here's what is working. And then even using, you know, creative cockpit in triple whale, it's like, you get to see over a long period of time, like what's actually working and what's fatiguing and, and, and it makes life so much easier. Right. So I even given access to the team, like, Hey, just go in whenever you want to go and see what has the most spend That's probably the winner. Mm-hmm. You can get your ideas from there. Right. So feedback loop is huge. Um, for like the tactical side of things, how are you managing? Like what's, what's the campaign setup look like? Like how are you testing so much um, efficiently? And like, what does that, what does that look like? You know, moving to scaling and stuff, but yeah, talk a little bit about like how you're setting up tests and stuff. Yeah. So I've, you know, been really leaning into trying to keep account structure very simplified Um, you know, you want it, you want to make it easy for you to go in, look at the data, put in your new test and analyze on a weekly basis and optimize. So like a typical account structure for us is if we're including advantage plus might look like a retargeting campaign, a testing campaign, a scaling campaign and a advantage plus campaign. But, you know, most of our, you know, brands without the advantage plus is are those three you know core campaigns and on like our creative test campaign or you know this involves like creative testing or if we want to test new copy angles um new potential landing pages as well this all goes into our you know testing campaign um one thing that i've really tried to really lock down is like a naming convention so that it's really easy for a creative strategist to go inside the account that, you know, with all the different brands, like I'm managing it, sometimes it's hard to record that loom video for them, but then they could go inside the account, see exactly what angles are performing well, and then drill down to the ad level to see what creatives are working. But on like a testing standpoint, we've actually been leaning heavily into dynamic creative. So I really like dynamic creative. I think that just, simplifies the process and media buying a little bit further. The last like two weeks, we have been leveraging more post IDs because on like some creative metrics, you can't see that in a dynamic creative, but you can make inferences when you're referencing your triple well data. Like if you see a dynamic creative performing well, what I'll typically do is drill down and see where Facebook's kind of pushing most of that spend. And then also that on platform data, you know, I've seen a pretty decent correlation between 
if it's working on triple whale, even though the on-platform data might not be correct, but if Facebook's showing that, you know, this particular, you know, element in the dynamic creative is getting the most purchases based off of Facebook, then I'll kind of make that inference that that's working and I'll pull it out as a post ID into a scale campaign so that can, can, can continue to, you know, gather that social proof and scale it that way. Yeah, I absolutely love that. Man, we got so many big brains on the show today. Let's let's go. Um, switching gears to again to the elephant in the room, if you will. Uh, I'll start with you, Ash, and then we'll go Nigel, Josh. Um, what do you? Because you kind of talked about it. And shout out, actually, we just dropped the Black Friday Cyber Monday guide. Go to triplewell.com/bfcm to download it for free today. Uh, but what are you doing in terms of preparing? for that ash because it sounds like you're going to start early so you're going to start the the party starts on the first um but give some people some color there in terms of what your strategy looks like because this is yeah this is this can be a hot topic for some people and i think the other thing is if you do it in an inefficient manner it can be really it can really degrade a lot of the business metrics that you really were actually trying to push up so let, let let me hear from the man with the plan what are you guys doing yeah, so I think there's two sides of the business, right? There's going to be the retention side. There's going to be acquisition side, right? Um, I think this year is going to be a heavy push around retention. Um, you know, this entire year, we've gone pretty heavy on acquisition. Now is the time to really get them to come back and, and buy like a shit ton more, right? Um, so this year, we're having something new come out every week. So a new flavor. Um, actually, we're starting with a new product the first week new flavor um another new flavor um we are coming out with a pre-workout what yeah a beauty a a it's like a beauty formula slash pre-workout um we are announcing it i think next week so it's fine (laughs) um uh so that's coming out then we have a couple restocks of products that have just been out for the last month just supply chain issues um so people are excited those are coming back New flavors of our super collagen protein. Um, we're coming out with um, two new flavors. I believe it's going to be cookies and cream, which a lot of people have been asking for. And then we're doing another collaboration with Entenmann's, which is a uh, pound cake flavor with um, same branding as Entenmann's and everything. And then just a few more restocks throughout throughout the throughout the month. And then we have new free gifts, everything. So we're all loaded up on like new stuff that the customer base is going to absolutely love, right? Um, now, the way that we're trying to approach acquisition is I I saw this last year and I feel like I'm going to keep it um, business as usual, kind of running the evergreen stuff, but kind of changing what the landing pages look and feel like. So I'm probably going to run the same deals that I have been running maybe slightly better, but I'm going to depict it on the landing pages, right? So the main banner is going to be like Black Friday sale, X amount off, free gift, blah, 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 which isn't going to be too different than what we're doing right now because for me to ramp up new ads specifically for Black Friday takes time, right? So I'm going to I'm going to run with what's been working the last couple months, um, introduce a few new creatives in like maybe its own retargeting campaign just for Black Friday. But um, my whole push is stick with the evergreen stuff just because everybody else is going to be running like black Friday sale banners, this and that. And there's just going to be so much banner blindness 
keep running what you're running because like that is what's working. Just change it on the back end where it's like still like, okay, I understand this is a Black Friday sale, but the whole point is, is that one, they're also not coming in on a sale. They're coming in because, hey, you're actually selling a product that they want, right? So that's kind of our approach. We might bring back budget a little bit so that we can like really focus on the retention um, because our technically our Black Friday for you know health and wellness is like January first, so yeah, gearing yeah. up for that is probably what we're gonna do. Um, so yeah, long story short, going hard on retention, keeping things um, very evergreen on the acquisition side, and then deploying um, in the in Q one. That's strong. A few questions, if I may. Please. Um, what's the discounting strategy? How do you handle VIPs? Is there any gifting vector for you guys? And then do you ever turn off spend? Like, do you ever overspend all the way up to like Black Friday, Cyber Monday, and then just kill it for the, because those days are just to your point. I love that banner blindness where you're just inundated with so much on top of that. You're buying against some of these balance sheets. There's just no way you can take, you know what I mean? Like exactly just throwing millions and millions of dollars into this with no regard for any performance like Nissan or somebody might, or some movie's going to drop or whatever. And you're just fighting. Like it's so expensive. And to be fair, like acquisition is just not going to happen. You know what I mean? It's not. Yeah. It's just a really big challenge. It used to be right. It used to be that like, Oh, we can slam budgets and acquire customers which is probably what we did two years ago. But post iOS, it's like your CAC is already so high. It's not going to get that much better during a very competitive time, especially in this economic climate. Why shove people, like why shove product down people's throats if like you could just focus on your customer base, right? And I get it. For new brands, it's it's tough. But like, especially for, for brands right now that do have, you know, a pretty solid customer base, Make it about them. Like, yep. they've been with you the whole year. It's been a tough year for, for a lot of people. Make it about them. Um, like I said, we, we're, we're doing up to four free gifts, right? So spend 50, you get one gift. Spend 75, another gift. The whole tiered structure. Um, discount, we're, we're, we're going to be, you know, where we, where we usually are every year. I think our customer base expects a 25%. So that's where we're going to be. And then and just, just the new product. Yeah, it's going to be okay. the same because it's like yeah. we're running it throughout the whole month. Brilliant. Our customer base is also like you're you're tight on budget too, right? They're they're literally like, okay, they're going to be very picky on where they're spending their money, right? Especially this year. Um, can I allow the sale to run the whole month long so that, hey, there's a couple of pay cycles where you can afford to come in maybe in the beginning of the month or maybe at the end of the month instead of waiting till the end of the month where everyone's just slamming budgets and promos and this and that. So we keep it running the whole month. Um, The community loves it. And, you know, in terms of VIP customers, we have these new products that are coming out. They typically get access to it first. Um, You know, things like that. So just make it about the customer, the whole experience. You know, it, it has to be about them. Acquisition will happen. Right. If if we find that the I, I genuinely think our CAC during the season is actually gonna go up, which is probably gonna cause us to to have to drop the budgets. And yep. we're okay with that because then you're just focusing on on profitability, right? So and then you save it for Q1. So that's that's how I, I'm thinking about it. I love it. One last question, sorry, I forgot to ask, is like how are you handling your email list and SMS list? Yeah, so SMS we've actually recently like really segmented it out 
Um, what we've noticed is that the obviously the the one-time buyers act very differently from the two x, the three x, five x VIP customers, um, and then you have a really big segment of just people who haven't bought. So like making sure that the messaging is differently is different for each one of these segments is huge, right? So if you have the VIP customer, it's like, hey, you've earned you know X amount of points. Like we have a rewards program, so you have X amount of points in your bank. Spend it on the sale, right? Uh, for the people who've only bought one time and haven't bought yeah, and they haven't bought in 45 days, be like, hey, we miss you. Um, there's a sale coming on. There's some new products you may like. So the messaging is different, right? Um, email is a little bit more tough because of just deliverability in general. Yeah. Um, we've kind of, we, we actually just set up a dedicated domain on our account. So for those of you who don't know, it's basically like you're not sending it through Clavio's domain anymore you're sending it on your own so it helps because you're not measured against everybody else you're measured on just yourself so it helps with open rates so for us it's like we have to be very careful about who we're blasting it to so email is typically going to be better for the people who've just entered the ecosystem recently and people who are vip customers right so to get that other group of people that haven't purchased in a while we're going through post pilot so we're going to do direct mail um, so you're kind of hitting everybody. Yeah. So you're hitting everybody efficiently. You're not spending too much on SMS. You're not blowing your deliverability on email on Clavio, but at least, you know, post can kind of catch every uh, direct mail and catch everybody else. Um, and then just retargeting everywhere you can, Facebook, uh, TikTok, Snapchat, Pinterest, Google, make sure everything is, you know, aligned during that time so that people know, Hey, there's a sale going on. What a perfect answer. Now I know why Ron bought a big old house. It's <laughs> you at the helm. Let's go, kids. That's, so, that's brilliant, Ash. So, some Nine of our hours. brands have been using Postpilot. They've been yeah. crushing it. I think it's so smart. Back to basics. Yeah. Snail yeah. mail, baby. Uh, Nigel and Josh, what, what are your guys' strategies or thoughts in terms of Black Friday for some of your brands? Yeah, I mean, Josh will have a, a more in-depth answer than myself. I'd say from what I'm seeing is strategically thinking about AOV and we're not talking about just post-purchase upsells like, you know, the general AOV stuff. We're talking about the entire customer journey, you know, really thinking about product bundles. So, you know, for the brands who do still need to acquire those customers, we know they're going to have to pay over the odds. We know they haven't got that much money. We know like pockets are tighter. So how can we really get the most like bang for the buck, so to speak, and really thinking about obviously how Obvi do it, you know, amazingly well, really thinking about building that custom landing page around a specific product bundle. And again, having the creative, which is congruent with that messaging all the way through. I think that's one thing. And then the other thing to touch on what Ash said as well is when, and this is what I've seen for the first time in a very long time, when we're looking about uh, like seeing things from the ecosystem standpoint, not just multi-channel across the different platforms, but even looking if possible on the wholesale side. So looking outside the spillover onto Amazon, looking at what's happening on the wholesale side, how can we really get that like ecosystem working together? Can we run some ads that show what's going on in store? And try and like look out, like try and be a little bit outside the box. Can we run a competition on TikTok? I've seen a few things, you know, where you go into the store, show where the product is, show there's a discount, get something going there. 
and that will really get in the top of your customers' minds um, because, you know, like Ash said, everyone's going to be doing the same thing. So they're the, the two things I'd say strategically think about AOV, not just like post-purchase upsells. And then the other thing is like really looking from a, a even wider macro standpoint. Yeah, I love that. Josh? Yeah, so on like a more, I guess, campaign strategy standpoint, I think to Ash's point, because this is what we saw last year, like the evergreen stuff outperformed the Black Friday kind of images and videos. Um, because in my opinion, like Facebook has spent so much behind those images that it, or videos that it knows who's buying from them. So it can continue to kind of outcompete people that are just starting their ads from scratch. I think this year we're going to be leveraging those kind of Black Friday focused creatives, mainly for like retargeting and retention as well, but more focused on, you know, on that website, making sure that message is congruent or for that evergreen stuff, like you're surprising people with that offer. And then it's going to potentially have a highly likelihood of converting them more often. Um, I think on like, cause I think we'll see like a lot of success in like the retargeting retention. Something that I've done in the past is just have a super high like bid cap during this time period for those particular audience, custom audiences. Like in some cases, even if it's like a $30 AOV, I'll have like a five, $600 bid cap with like a thousand dollar budget or like $10,000 budget on the high, on the high, um, spend accounts. And it, it just performs well. Like uh, Facebook doesn't overspend on it. Um, you, you know that those people have bought before. So you're trying to outbid on everyone else that is going after your same customer. So you can really try to acquire them again, but at a cheaper cost than doing like a traditional lowest cost approach. Yeah. I mean, I wish I, I'm a pretty big uh, bear in terms of Black Friday, Cyber Monday. I think it's a it's a pretty big money grab. And so you just have to be strategic about it. But this sounds like super solid strategy. And I, I love I love how all you guys are thinking about it, because the the big issues that I've seen in the past is you go super hard in the paint. You have a fantastic Black Friday, Cyber Monday. And then your December is like just. Like you're, you're essentially basically just pulling sales forward. It's not like you're generating yeah. more sales. You're just shifting when the sales happen. And so that's why I really like what you're talking about, Ash, with kind of high margin products that you can gift away at different tiers where it might cost you, you know, five or $7 in cogs, but the actual perceived value is 30, 40 bucks. And then you're like, oh man, like it's a really great way to kind of tie into your point, Nigel, of strategically thinking of AOV. How can I get people to purchase and feel good. And I, I'm really happy that neither of you guys said that you're really heavily discounting your VIP list. That's one of the things that breaks my brain where it's like, these are the highest spending people that are the least price sensitive and you're going to give them the most off. Like uh, that's one of the things that I think is such a pitfall for like these people care about status exclusivity. That's why I love that you're talking about Ash of like getting them into the product launches before these other people like that's what they care about they're uh, they've bought all this product from you they're not they're not not buying the product because it's cheaper so save those discounts for the people that actually care and have that price sensitivity so you guys are just all the nails yeah. on the head I don't, La I don't have anything last thing last thing before i forget I, do, I think you guys have been doing some work with them recently and um, the the ceo claudio is mentioning doing some case studies uh, with video wise you guys yep. know video wise yeah yep. yeah so i think that's another one uh, people should check out on the cro side yep. shoppable videos 
because yep. from the data that I've seen, like I know Claudio pretty well, and we've done like a lot of just behind the scenes. We're using it as some of the brands, and I've really seen the app at play in terms of like the, the analytics. And I think, like, you, you, I, don't quote me on this. I think it's right though. But usually in like ecom, Anash, you'll have to correct me here if I'm wrong. But essentially, in terms of people who engage with a video on site, not just any site traffic but it, they usually convert after engaging on the video at around 2%. With video-wise, they're seeing with the shoppable videos. So people can engage in the video and shop whilst they're inside the video on the site, and it's all mobile optimized, converting anywhere between 5 and 15%. So that's another way. You probably already got all the content, and using their app, it makes it super simple. But something else, which is really smart, and another tool that they've got with their product is you can essentially get these shoppable videos to QR codes. So if you are on the wholesale side, you can put a QR code on your products, like in the supermarket or whatever, and you can scan that and it will go straight into a shoppable video. So then that can get shared around like via email and everything and on SMS lists as well. Like that could be super impactful and something just to increase like all that traffic that's already on your site at that time of year. Yeah, that's brilliant. Oh, well, that brings me up to one more thing, and then we'll wrap things up, is uh, Tapcart. How are you leveraging your app, Ash? Yeah, um, <clears throat> I mean, it, it even last year was such a, a saving grace for us because, like, uh, the first hour we launched uh, the sale, the website broke, and everyone <laughs> just rerouted to the everyone rerouted to the app, which is crazy because, like, that was, like, <laughs> we had this go. spike of downloads. It's crazy. Um, yeah, no, app is, I, again, it's... Push notifications are like yeah. free, right? So we're just yeah. sending out, you know, whenever we need to, um, you know, swapping out the, the banners easily when we do another like launch, like, all right, this flavor is here, this flavor is here. Um, and it, it really is just a VIP customer experience, right? So you can get your free okay. gifts there. You can use the rewards there. Um, it's just so integrated with the shopping experience that it just mimics the website. So other than push notifications and just matching what's on the website, nothing, nothing crazy there. But it's it's super helpful because like everybody's account is already logged in, their points are there, everything's there. So like if you have a Shopify store and like you're not on Tapcart, it's a, it's a really good tool to just keep those VIP customers in the in the ecosystem. Amazing. And if you didn't write all this stuff down, shameless plug again: triplewell.com/slash Black Friday Cyber Monday. We have a whole checklist in there, a bunch of articles. <laughs> Go get it, people. Go get it. You need it. Um, okay, one last thing, and then we'll wrap up. Liquid Death, one of my biggest, probably my biggest brand crush, just came out. They're valued a little over seven hundred. Um, crazy. We'll start with you, Ash, and then we can go around the horn to Nigel and Josh. Any thoughts there? Like that's crazy. They're selling water. It's, like, that's it's a, that's actually a pretty, crazy. almost a billy. Yeah. It's crazy, right? Yeah. Um. I mean, one. It so crazy thing is, is that I just tried it for the first time last week. Right. I've never tried it. I've seen it at Whole Foods. The reggies, the sparkling, the mango. Just the regular, the regular water. Okay. And like, so the I can. get it. I get it because it's different. Like when that can is cold, it's cold, right? And so like last week was the, the Parker event and like, you know, you either get a Truly, you get tequila or you get a liquid death. And I was like, okay, I'm going to try this. And like, I didn't drink that night because I was like, I have a can in my hand. I'm really, I'm drinking something. So I don't really need like the booze, um, which is really weird. So I was really, you know, I, I really liked it. And then after that, I picked up, you know, a few from Whole Foods is in the fridge. Um, I get it. Like, I get it. The branding is crazy because anybody who was at that event was like, what is this? Like, liquid, it's like, it's so like, 
it's just water. And it's like, it's that whole branding and everything that just makes sense. So I get it. 700 mil like makes sense. Um, but until you try it and you see it and then only will it make sense because to an outside perspective, it definitely doesn't. Yeah, really well put. Uh, Nigel, are you, are you hip? Yeah. Look at death train. What are your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, look at the end of the day, what do you need for a premium valuation? One is obviously sales, but two is a moat. And they have one of the best moats because would Coca-Cola or Nestle or any of those other massive guys do this? No, I don't think so. So it's like, it's so hard to copy. And that's where I just think what they're doing is so smart. So like obviously in the CPG environment to have something so unique, I think you've got to give it to them. It's incredible, Brandon. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And then before I jump over to you, Josh, I think one of the things that's being underutilized here is distribution. Um, where they had a big deal with Live Nation, where all, all these kind of hip places, like you, you it become, because I almost see it as a luxury good in a way, where it becomes this status symbol, status symbol of like, uh, I'm saying F you to the man. It's kind of like a Tesla, right? Like when you get into like the high end Teslas, you're almost in like low range Ferrari or like fancy Beamer or like, but you, you can still hold your head high and be like, I care about the environment. Well, no, you don't. You just want a fancy car and don't want to look like a douchebag. You know what I mean? And so I think that's where like liquid death is like perfect, where it's like this awesome, like I'm drinking water, I'm being healthy, but at the same time, there's no pretentiousness. There's nothing. It's just this like, I mean, they, they have a whole metal song that they created, like just the whole metal vibe around it is just so kale and cigarettes where it's this luxury brand, but at the same time, it's just like, brand of the people with and one of the things that they do i just love this brand so much they do so well is like they don't have a very like exclusive archetype they do a great job of showing showing old people young people colored people not colored people like everybody of all ages all economic backgrounds like everything they do such a great job of inclusivity that i think is such a interesting thought and the people that they cut out are really the people that um don't get the brand and so it's just, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, Nigel. I think they just, it's just a, a absolute uh, feat of economics, in my opinion. Like, water is horrible to ship. It's heavy. Like, and so being able to get into the distribution channels they have, like, in Whole Foods, that's all you see. From So Austin has a huge Whole Foods presence, the proper HQs and everything. It's just wall-to-wall, liquid death in there. And so it's just, yeah, I love it. What about you, Josh? Yeah, I've never had it before, but now after hearing you guys, I kind of want some because when it comes to water, I mean, that's the only thing I drink. So I'm like, what's that? what can I get next? Because I always like a unique, a unique waters. Um, I, I think, uh, you know, their marketing is just, you know, amazing. I, it kind of it reminds me of Bang Energy a lot uh, in terms yeah. of their pros to really try to capture people's attention. And especially, you know, when you're in the supermarket, you know, it stands out on the shelf. Like instead of seeing these boring water bottles that are like branded towards Walmart or something, you see this black box or this white box and it stands out and it makes you intrigued at the end of the day. Like a lot of just going back to like health and wellness stuff. Sometimes it's curiosity that gets people hooked in and then it gets them to buy people get curious and then they buy it, they try it. And then it, you know, makes them a lifetime customer. Yeah, so well put. And you're onto something there too, Ash. There's some sort of like weird ASMR kind of pleasure of when you crack it, right? And it's 
It's a water. Who gives it? You don't get that when you twist off a cap on a plastic bottle. There's just like this. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. It's it, there's this something satisfying, pleasurable, satisfying. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh, guys, we're five minutes over an hour, so let's wrap this up. Uh, Nigel, we'll start with you, and then Josh. Uh, are you guys taking any clients? How can people work with you? Where can people connect with you? This time's yours, my friend. Yeah. So when will the podcast be coming out? Just so we know. Next week. I believe, or possibly two weeks. I can't remember if we have another one in the hospital okay. or not. So yeah, yeah, okay, cool. Or the nineteenth. Uh, yeah, just wondering because obviously it depends around Black Friday. But in terms of bringing on new clients, yeah, for sure, we just actually hired some like really top guys, some big agencies. So we're excited now of our new killer team to go and crush it for yeah. some of these new brands. And uh, so definitely. Always up for a chat. Me and Josh like do really in depth audits, and uh, yeah, like we we can show you the truth and get you really scaling for Black Friday, Cyber Monday. And if anyone wants to connect with me on LinkedIn, I post like pretty much every day, and uh, yeah, I don't hold back. I'm brutally honest, and I love connecting with other entrepreneurs. And thanks so much for having us on the show today. It's been an absolute pleasure, guys. I've learned a lot. Of course. And what's the website to get alpha inbound doc, alpha inbound.com. We just type yeah. in alpha inbound. Yeah. It's easy. That proper SEO. Let's go. Josh, any parting words? How can people connect with you? Yeah. So I would say I'm not super active on Twitter, but that's where I find most of my time is going towards now. So you can find me on Twitter if you want to give me a follow, but yeah, like Nigel said, we do, pretty in-depth audits. I like to be brutally honest with brands because, you know, you don't want to sugarcoat things when it comes to, you know, you know, trying to turn things around. So we just like to get down to the point, throw on the action items and show them how we can help and, you know, hopefully it'll help them scale. Amazing. Nigel and Josh, it's been such a pleasure. Melani, you know what to do. What time is it? If somebody drives by a vitamin shop, what should they do? It's my favorite. You know what? Let's, let's switch it up. Let's switch it up. Oh, what? Let's switch it up. Oh my gosh, I'm sure. He, 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 he wants some of that pre workout. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are trying to get into Rite Aid. Uh, we're on RiteAid.com right now. So okay. if you need some collagen in your life, check out RiteAid.com, search for Avi. Okay. Got it. Place an order. I might, if you place an order and send me to place an order, I'll send you some free stuff from the store. Ooh, um, okay. We have our mint, mint chip bars, protein bars. Uh, so um, snag something there. Uh, but if you People want to follow me on Twitter, fighting yeah. over those in the office. Like, <laughs> know, so you guys know, sent us a little care package, and like the peanut butter cups are amazing. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. the mint ones, there's oh. like two of them left, and there, there's yeah. literally like the kind of showdown of like. People get into the <laughs> snack room and like who can sprint and dive and grab who the can bar. Get it, that yeah. good. It's so good. I'll have to send some more. But um, yeah, RiteAid.com. Please check it out. Um, uh, Twitter. Follow me on Twitter at Ashvin Milani. Posting a little bangers, bit more about right? 20,000 just hit this Woo! week. Yeah. Oh, congrats. Um, thanks, guys. Uh, yeah, no. So shout out to everybody who's like supported, you know, my feed and everything. Just wanted to put out information for everybody to to learn about what we're doing at Avi and what's working, what's not working. So uh, stay tuned uh, for more Black Friday content, too. Going to post a little bit about what else we're doing. And then um, Mentor Pass, it's not too late to get a strategy together for for Black Friday. So hit me up. Um, we'll, we'll do something there, but that's it for me. Yeah. Amazing. There, I've seen some, uh, braggadocious tweets about you, about your mentor pass. I might need to book a, book a call with you. I can't, I can't even get any time with this guy. He's everybody wants them <laughs> over here building empires with Ron. Um, yeah. And 
still good. You're still in Vitamin Shop, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Still, we're just uh, do we're the pushing the Rite Aid. Thing. Do the Rite Aid. Pushing the Rite Aid. That's fine. Go buy some yeah. stuff off Rite Aid. But if you're buying Vitamin Shop, go. thank you. Go <laughs> drive by. Send them check it out. Send me a picture. Yes. Tweet at okay. me. I'll Thank also you. send you some bars. So Thank you. Now the world is right again. That, that's <laughs> I feel better. Part of my show. I feel better now. I feel, I'm, I'm happier. Um, if you do want to go get more involved with Triple Well and you're not on Triple Well, you should be. It's triplewell.com. We also are on the Bird app at Triple Well. And then we send out a phenomenal newsletter every Tuesday, Thursday called Whale Mail. You can subscribe right at triplewell.com slash whale mail. Um, if you want to support my ridiculous sneaker habit, um, on mentor pass, go grab some time there. And then, Oh, we have two events coming out. Um, they'll be out by the time you hear this. So if you go to belugabash.com and you love pickleball, we're renting out an amazing pickleball, having a pickleball tournament. If you want to come to Austin, that's November 1st. Or if you live in Austin, there is singles, men's singles, women's, and then doubles, any configuration, um, definitely come out for that. And then right off the back of that, you know how we like to party, uh, create a Palooza. So that's going to be on November 2nd and November 3rd. Um, tickets are only hundred bucks and that gets you breakfast, lunch, dinner, party, all the booze you can drink, all this stuff. It's basically just to make sure wow. that people that buy a ticket, um, come. So it's more so a filtering function than us, um, subsidizing the event. So definitely come out. It's going to be a blast. Um, all the speakers are on there. It's just going to be a smorgasbord of incredible creators, learn how to create creative, measure creative, build systems, um, like Ash and Nigel and Josh were talking about. Um, going to be a blast. That's Austin, second and third. That's Creative Palooza, C R E A T A P A L O O Z A dot fun. But just go on the show notes. It'll be easier to find that. And that's it. That's another ad spin in the books. Ash, always a pleasure, my friend. I'm surprised. No booze at the Parker party. I'm proud of you. It's yeah. impressive. Well done. Trying. Well done. Trying. Let's go. <laughs> new you, oh, new you. Just make it sound like I'm so alcoholic, but <laughs> do you do you have do you have proof? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Liquid <laughs> death. We're my fridge is oh, now yeah, stocked of liquid yeah, death. Yeah, yeah. Wow, they're Amazing. gonna save so many people. <laughs> Amazing. Uh Nigel Josh, thanks so much. If you guys are ever out in Austin, give me a shout. Um, if I'm ever out in the East Coast, I will uh get you guys on the phone and again thanks for taking the time and all the awesome conversation you guys i really appreciate it and if you do uh enjoy this podcast share it with a friend and then if you can leave a review on uh either what is it on apple spotify where spotify apple now? spotify's yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Amazing. Leave a review on Spotify. And then if you actually want to watch us, we are on YouTube as well. So go subscribe over there. But that's all the housekeeping for us today. Another one in the books. Again, thanks guys. And we'll see everyone on the flip. Bye-bye. See you later guys. Later.